Welcome back to Conspiracies with Chase Abden in Season 2, Episode 2. This topic is going to be a tough one today, as today's episode will be about the conspiracy that the Holocaust did not happen. If you are new here, make sure you follow us and subscribe. Let's get to it. A quick disclaimer before we get started. Conspiracies with Chase Abden is an unbiased podcast. The information is not from me, but from other sources, and anything that is said here is not my belief. I am only repeating from other sources and what they have to say, and using words, opinions, and beliefs of other people. On January 30th, 1933, Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. Adolf Hitler did many things to make it to this spot. Before we move on, let's talk about his life. In 1889, Hitler was born in Austria. He had also served in the German army in World War I. According to History.com, like many anti-Semites in Germany, he blamed the Jews for the country's defeat in 1918. After the war, Hitler joined the National German Workers' Party, which became the National Socialist German Workers' Party, aka the Nazis. Hitler was imprisoned during the role in the Beer Hall Potsd of 1923. Hitler wrote the memoir and propaganda tract Mein Kampf, My Struggle, in which he predicted a general European war that would result in the extermination of the Jewish race in Germany, according to History.com. Also from History.com, Hitler was obsessed with the idea of the superiority of the pure German race, which he called Aryan, and which was the need for Lebensraum, or living space, for that race to expand. In the decade after he was released from prison, Hitler took advantage of the weakness of his rivals to rehance his party status and rise from obscurity to power. This is what brings us to January 30th, 1933. When President Paul von Heidenberg died, Hitler uh, anointed himself as Führer, becoming Germany's supreme ruler. In March of 1933, the first official concentration camp was opened. It was called Dachau, and most people that were sent there were communists. According to QSHMM.com, Soon after they, be- they came to power, the Nazis adopted measures to exclude Jews from German economic, social, and cultural life and to pressure them to immigrate. World War II provided Nazi officials with the opportunity to pursue a comprehensive final solution to the Jewish question, the murder of all Jews in Europe. Also from USHMM.com, after occupying Poland, German authorities confined the Jewish population to ghettos which they also later deported thousands of Jews from the Third Reich. Hundreds of thousands of Jews died from the horrendous conditions in the ghettos, German-occupied Poland, and other parts of Eastern Europe. Another thing from USHMM.com, following the German invasion of the Soviet Union in June 1941, SS and police units perpetrated mass shootings of Jews in Roma. View this term in the glossary as well as Soviet Communist Party and state officials in Eastern Europe. This was the cause of about 1.3 million deaths. In late 1941, Nazi officials opted to employ an additional method to kill Jews, one originally developed for the euthanasia program, stationary gas chambers. Between 1941 and 1944, Nazi Germany had allies deported Jews from areas under their control to killing centers. The two main reasons for World War II was that the Nazis were invading other countries and that the world was spread about the treatment of the Jewish population. The conspiracy, you would think that the genocide that lasted for about four years, killing millions of innocent people, couldn't possibly be a conspiracy. 
But this theory isn't claiming that it was done by someone else or for a different reason, but that it didn't happen at all. Let's look at these theories, but before we look at those, here, let's look at some of these things. Number one, there are museums with artifacts from the Holocaust that you can go to look at. Two, there have been survivors that have shared their story about surviving the Holocaust. And three, you can take a trip to Tor Auschwitz, a death camp that was used in the Holocaust. According to ADL.com, one notorious instance of Nazi falsification involves their Schindstadt resettlement community. When the International Red Cross demanded an investigation into the camp's living conditions in 1944, the Nazis forced Jewish prisoners to plant flowers and decorate the barracks. Also from ADL.com, the Nazis even fabricated a promotional film of their Schindstadt, which prisoners were coerced to perform cheerfulness for the cameras in exchange for food. In reality, more than 30,000 prisoners died in their Schindstadt, and nearly 90,000 more were deported to death camps. Holocaust denial is an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that claims Jews around the world knowingly fabricated evidence of their own genocide in order to extract reparations from Germany, gain world sympathy, and fallicate the alleged theft of Palestinian land for the creation of Israel. It was founded on the belief that Jews somehow were, are able to force major institutions, being government, Hollywood, and the media, to promote a lie that, at the expense of non-Jews, according to ADL.com. The theory claims that the Jews place their own evidence, including dead bodies, to gain sympathy from the world to overthrow the German government. They did it to, quote, gain sympathy and take advantage of people. According to a 2019 poll, 1 in 20 people in Britain did not believe the Holocaust ever happened. According to MuseumofTolerance.com, most Holocaust deniers went to wash away the stain of Nazism in an attempt to make Nazism an acceptable political alternative today. Holocaust deniers argue that Nazi Germany was the victim of a conspiracy contrived by the Allies to Nazi Germany the villain of World War II. They maintain that the U.S. and Great Britain concocted wild atrocity stories about the Nazis to cover up their own war crimes. Jews, they claim, joined the conspiracy in order to prey upon the sympathies of the world and to extort money from the post-war Germany in order to establish the State of Israel. The skeptics are trying to claim that the Nazis were claimed the bad guy wrongfully and are trying to make Nazism a safe fallback if all other forms like democracy and tyranny fail. About 17 million people died during the Holocaust, meaning that the Jews would have to fake the deaths of 17 million people. Not all of those people that died were Jewish, so how did the community manage to get communist prisoners of war and other groups to join in on the lie just to gain sympathies from the world? Let's move on to the counter-argument, and this week's counter-argument, or opposing side, is going to look different this week. Instead of providing claims from other sources, we are going to be telling a story. One that has been told the Holocaust to the survivor's point of view. Today, we will be telling the story of an inspirational survivor of the Holocaust, Eva Moses Kaur. The reason I chose to tell her story is because she was a survivor of the Holocaust and she survived the Mendez experiments. She also did something that no one else did. Instead of holding a grudge on Germany and the Nazi soldiers, she chose to forgive them. In 1944, Eva Kaur and her family, with her only being 10, were sent to Auschwitz. 
Later on, her parents died in the camp because they were twins. Eva and her sister, Miriam, were forced to do the inhumane experiments by Ming Mingle. In an interview with TheLancet.com, Eva stated, Because we were twins, we were used in a variety of experiments, and three times a week we'd be placed naked in a room for six to eight hours to be measured and studied. It was unbelievably demeaning. One day, Eva came down with a high fever. Dr. Mengel came into the next day and looked at my fever chart and declared that I had only two weeks to live. For two weeks, I was between life and death, but I refused to die. If I had died, Mengel would have given Miriam a lethal injection in order to do a double autopsy. When I didn't die, he carried on experimenting with us, and as a result, Miriam's kidneys stopped growing. They remained the size of a children's for the rest of her life. Eva Accord told TheLancet.com On the 27th of January, 1945, four days before my 11th birthday, Auschwitz was liberated by the Soviet Army. After nine months in refugee camps, I returned to my village in Romania to find that none of my family had survived, said Eva Accord on the Forgiveness Project website. She claimed that the voices and sounds of Auschwitz echoed in her head. She didn't speak about her experiences publicly until 1978. People everywhere asked her about her experiments, and she couldn't remember much, so she tried contacting other survivors. Weeks went by, and she had got nothing. After this, Eva decided to start a project and label herself as president, as people are always impressed if they get a letter from a president, said Eva, and it worked. Another group of twins got in contact with her in 1993. Eva was invited to lecture doctors at Boston University. She was asked to bring a Nazi doctor with her. I thought it was a mad request until I remembered that I had once been in a documentary which also featured Dr. Hans Munch from Auschwitz. I contacted him in Germany and he said he would meet me for a videotaped interview to take to the conference, said Eva on theforgivenessproject.com. In July of 1993, she was on her way to meet the Nazi doctor. She claims on theforgivenessproject.com, I was so scared, but when I arrived at his home, he treated me with the utmost respect. I asked him if he'd seen the gas chambers. He said this was his nightmare he dealt with every day of his life. I was surprised that Nazis had nightmares too, and asked him if he would come with me to Auschwitz to sign a document at the ruins of the gas chambers. He said that he would love to do it, said Eva Kaur from the ForgivenessProject.com. Many might be thinking, what was the document? The document was a forgiveness letter that was made by Eva and signed by both of them, including her and Dr. Munch. Eva also stated, at first, I was adamant that I could never forgive Dr. Mengel, but then I realized I had the power now, the power to forgive. It was my right to use it, and no one could take it away. And that is going to wrap up today's episode. If you liked it, please like, comment, share, subscribe, and rate five stars. Reminder, I am an unbiased and not picking sides. I'm Chase Abden signing off today, reminding you to sign up for our blog on our website, because we send out a monthly blog.